Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. I'm here with uh, with my my new friend, uh, Danny Brown. Danny, how, how's life? How's everything going? Oh, it's great at the minute. Super busy, but all good fun. Yeah? Where are you at the moment? Well, I'm in the UK, so uh, I'm based in the Midlands, but it's uh, it's nice and sunny today, which uh, always makes me, me feel much better. Yeah, it's it's good to know when it's uh, when it's sunny in those uh, those places. So, Danny, why don't you introduce yourself to to our audience? Share a little bit about your story, about your achievements. It is just so impressive what you managed to achieve. And uh, so, yeah, who's Danny Brown? Well, so my background is elite sport. I started archery on my 15th birthday, and I guess it's quite an unusual choice of sports. Uh, And to be perfectly honest, as a teenager, I didn't realize it existed outside of medieval history or fairy stories. But um, I loved sport as a kid, and I, I did so many different types. But when I was 11, I became disabled. And it was very tough. I didn't get a diagnosis until I was 16. So I had a lot of pain in my feet. It limited the amount that I could walk. And I was unable to take part in lots of the sports that I've really, really enjoyed. And I guess it was a really difficult time. You know, as a teenager, you're figuring out who you are. You're figuring out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And I had this this problem, uh, this disability, and it completely fractured my self-esteem. I worried that people wouldn't be able to see the value that lay within. All they'd be able to see was that that external outer disability. And getting involved with sport really changed that for me. So started archery on my 15th birthday because I didn't know about Paralympic sport. I figured I could stand, I could shoot a bow, shoot arrows into a target. And uh, it was just the most amazing fun I'd had in a long time. I was also really rubbish at it. So, you know, I was missing the target, couldn't hit it, saved my life, but it was so much fun. And every day I'd get back from school and I'd be pestering my parents to take me to practice. And the more I practiced, the better I got, better I got, the more I enjoyed it and the more I wanted to practice. And that was it. Three years later, I was on the Great Britain team, jumped in straight as world number one and managed to hang on to that position for my entire career. That is amazing so so how did you end up winning twice the paralympic games yeah so yeah so i suppose in terms of titles i won a gold medal in beijing and retained that title in london 2012 on home soil which was uh, amazing and it was i mean it was hard work it was it was great fun and both i suppose both events were, were very different Going into Beijing, I'd only been shooting for five years. Um, my, I'd um, only been doing it for internationally since 2006. So two, two years of international competition in the lead up to that. Didn't really know what to expect from a Games either. It was my first time in one of those multidiscipline events. And it was just one of the best experiences of my life. You know, it's, 
it's so difficult to describe because it's nothing like anything else I've ever experienced on earth. You know, you're in this village full of sports people and it was just so humbling and inspiring and we'd be sharing stories and victories and losses and I was it was so amazing and get, getting to represent my country on that huge stage, I was so nervous uh, and, and I, I will be honest, I had a bit of a mental meltdown the night before. Um, so I'd made it through to the semi-finals. Two matches separated me from the gold medal. And I just started to have those negative niggling thoughts. And I thought, what if? What if I can't do it? I want this so badly, but what if I can't pull it off? What if my best isn't good enough? What if I let myself down? What if I let everybody back home down? You know, I went from being all right to um, completely spiraling out of control. That was it. My Paralympic dream was was over. Uh, and very luckily, checked my emails. My equipment man had sent me a message and he told me I could shoot scores in my sleep that my competitors could only ever dream about. And uh, even though that makes no sense whatsoever, the fact that somebody else believed in me that much gave me the boost I needed. And the next day I just got up, went out there, managed two really convincing wins to come away with the gold. So um, I was just, I was just amazing, you know, standing on that podium. And, and it really made me realize that importance of confidence in, in terms of winning and, and how I had to build that up. So fast forward four years to London 2012, I'd, I'd spent a lot of time working on my confidence. And I noticed that as my confidence grew, my results grew, my results got better as well. So two years after Beijing, I became the first disabled athlete to represent England as an able-bodied competitor at the Commonwealth Games. And yeah, it was a complete shock to be there. I, I, I wanted to make the able-bodied team, but I was in my third year at uni and just thought maybe that wasn't quite the right year for me, but it just happened. I had to run with it. It was, it was great. And I, I came away with a gold there. So um, I, I was I was doing these amazing things, both the able-bodied team, both the para team, and go to London 2012. And that was the toughest competition of my life because I was under so much pressure because of the able-bodied stuff, because of my past wins on the para team, everyone expected me to win. And, you know, a lot of people talk about this home crowd advantage. And I thought in many ways it was a home crowd disadvantage particularly for a sport like archery. You know, I, I imagine if you're doing something like running, um, if people are cheering you on and clapping and you get your adrenaline going, that's great. But for archery, where you need to be really calm, you're aiming at a target 70 meters away, trying to hit something this big. Yeah, shaking, adrenaline's not good. So I'm there trying to get my heart rate back down. Uh, it was just amazing. I was, I was under so much pressure. And um, being able to win in front of my family and friends is just the most indescribable feeling. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Uh, those of you who are tuning in right now, listening live, uh, please uh, post us in the comments. Where do you guys watch us from? And if you have any questions to Danny, she'll be happy to share <laughs> some things with you guys. Um, today's topic is what can sport teach us about business? But as usual, in coffee and productivity, we're gonna go in so many directions. So I don't know where we're gonna we're going to be ended up at. But the first uh, the first thing that I want to ask you, Danny, is the you mentioned I had to build up my confidence. Mm -hmm. How does one build their confidence? 
So I like such a good question because my whole life people kept telling me I needed to be more confident. You know, as, as a, a teenager, as, as a kid, it was my, my parents, my teachers, my coaches, they kept saying be more confident, but nobody ever showed me how. So it was as if by telling me to be more confident, I'd somehow miraculously develop it. And of course I didn't. So when I got back from Beijing, I, I was determined to actually understand what confidence was. You know, the, the word confidence is thrown around so much, but people don't even really explain what it is. It's, um, you know, and, and it's just simply understanding and trusting in your abilities and knowing that you can go out there and you can deliver results. And I, I didn't even even really sort of understand it in those terms. And then it was about looking in order to try and build that trust in myself, looking and appreciating my strengths and my achievements. And that's what I really started to drill down into. I think it's quite easy for us to pick up on our flaws, our failings, our weaknesses, and, and that's just how the brain is wired. But trying to change that round and notice the, the wins, the successes, and not just the big ones, you know, it was about noticing the really tiny ones. So as I mentioned, my disability causes a lot of pain. And some days that, that's really tough. Getting out of bed in the morning is really hard work. But if I did that and I went down training, that was a success. And by recognizing that, it was also teaching me. So I learned that if I could do that then, I could do that again in the future. So if I was ever experiencing that again, I'm like, I've done it before. I've got that past experience that I'm out of my comfort zone. I can actually go and do this and I can perform and do well. Interesting what you mentioned, and I'm curious to explore how do you become a master of your mind, mm -hmm. especially with you sharing going through all these struggles, going through pain. How do you slow down the chatter in your mind when you say start feeling sorry for yourself and you want to switch to a more productive um, state of mind? Yeah, so I I really benefited actually. Um, my my coach, my personal coach, was brilliant, and he got me involved with an NLP course. So I did a practitioner's course, and that opened up so many doors. And I didn't realize until that point that I'd just kind of been existing, and thoughts pop into your head and pop out of your thought out of your head, and you're just not really aware of that thought process and how it impacts you. So once I started paying attention and developing that self-awareness and really understanding what thoughts were popping into my head, how they were then affecting my emotional state and then the knock-on effect that had on my behavior, that was really, really helpful because then once you're aware of the thought, you can start doing something about it. Uh, otherwise, you tend to find, like I had in Beijing, I get one negative thought, what if you can't do it? And it just spirals. But if you're aware of it and, and you're really consciously paying attention to what you're thinking, you can get that thought and you can go, hang on a minute, that's load rubbish. And you can reframe it in your mind and, and get back on track. But without actually understanding and paying attention to that, it's quite difficult to do. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think a lot of people are trying to control their thoughts and emotions. And I think trying to never have negative thoughts and emotions is... It's not the right strategy. It's it's going to come out. You're a human being, right? It's going to come out of somewhere. Something's going to happen. You can train your mind by meditation, by 
program your mind for positive things and that can decrease it but at some point you still have these negative thoughts it's it's not about not having them it's about having the capability to to be aware about those thoughts and to in a fast manner shift to a more productive state of mind yeah that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be aware of those things and ignore them you should be aware and say hey that's here that makes sense thank you for this signal some people say emotions are just signals mm. i get afraid i get fear mm. okay that might be dangerous thank you i'm on it i take ownership and then you switch or you find your own trigger to switch one of my guests uh, at the podcast uh, his name is mark harrison from canada he's a ceo of an agency um and he shared with me he has this uh, mental trigger every time something bad happens he he writes on a piece of paper deal from strength and this is his mental trigger to to hey hey all right take ownership man everybody's going through shit. so so you know so i'm always super curious to to talk to people like you that had to compete at such a high level and at the same time uh i mean you probably have been going through different uh, struggles in your life as everybody else but in a different manner and uh, how how do you master the you know the inner chatter <laughs> that's uh, that's the thing yeah, and I, well, I think a lot of the time then, and certainly I noticed before I, I started examining my thoughts, you know, thoughts were just thoughts. You didn't have any control over them. They just popped into your head. And actually, whilst, you, you know, you're completely right, we can't control them, we can't stop negative thoughts, and, and it is healthy to experience negative emotions, it, you know, we actually have a lot more control than we initially might realize I and, and I think that for me that foundation is always self-awareness and that's the building blocks that we can start um you know sprouting from talk to me about uh goal setting and achievement mm -hmm. did, you, did you I recently had an interview with um uh a shooter Maria Grosde who's the the most awarded I think Olympic uh mm, athlete in in bulgaria okay Actually, thanks to ellie jeleva who's uh, who's a common friend and who introduced us so let's give a shout out to ellie jeleva <laughs> uh but what maria shared with me is that she she's actually having a different uh, process for for goal setting so so she's not so much um focused on the goal and that's because she has lower expectations she has no no space for failure so she's more motivated and and that was her way of achieving all those things do you set yourself very concrete high goals and then you that motivates you or what is your process of uh, setting goals yeah so i mean in terms of sport i i guess you know it, it was a case of gold was the goal and uh, that's what he's focusing on but I, I actually quite like moving upstream of that as well. So that's what I want to achieve. But I found that it was easier to achieve that if I focused on who I wanted to become. 
So I'd, I'd start with the who. I, I know a lot of people with goal setting start with the why, but I actually, I like the who. And for me, it, it's setting it at an identity level. This is who I am. This is who I want to become. I, I, I want to be the best in the world. That's who I am. That's who I want to be. And then it was easier to understand that why, so the motivation for, for getting that, the what, the, the gold medal, and the steps and strategies and actions that I needed to take to actually get there. And, and that's obviously, I, I guess, having that big goal and, and focusing on, on the who, the why, the what, that's really motivating. So, you know, that's a way in the future, that's big, that's scary, it drives you forwards. And it makes you take those actions because you're never going to achieve that goal without that behavior change, without that action and, and without really driving it forward. Yeah, yeah, that's that's super interesting. I ever heard about uh, somebody starting with the who. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I'm, you know, just switching towards uh, topics a little bit uh, to the main topic of today. You've been in professional sports for a number of years, achieving a lot, uh, probably working your ass off to be where you, you ended up to be. What did you learn from there that you are using today in, in the world of business? What are some of the lessons, some of the main, you know, realizations uh, from your experiences as athlete? Oh, so much. You know what? I've just copied and pasted a lot of what I did in sport into business. And I think I think sport is a blueprint for success. I think you can learn so much through sport, um, whether it's better communication, setting goals, that resilience. You know, um, uh, sport is amazing for that. There can only ever be one winner. And the vast majority of athletes fail far more than they ever succeed. So being able to bounce back from those losses and manage to keep that motivation high and that positivity, I think, is so, so important. So, so that's another big one I learned. Uh, I, I learned a lot about me as well. I think when you're doing sport, obviously, you've got that physical aspect. I, I think it really, really helps to get in tune with your body, understand how your body works best, how, how your brain works best as well. Archery is very much a focused sport. And at some competitions, we'll start at seven o'clock in the morning and not finish till really late in the evening. And you've got to be able to focus all the way through. And obviously, you're not focusing for that whole period. You've just got to be able to switch on and off really quickly and, and maintain the, the, the right energy levels. So, so looking after yourself, understanding you, understanding your strengths understanding the support you need and that support team so for me i have just taken so many skills from sport and just dropped it into another area because success is success you know it doesn't necessarily matter what that success is the path to that success is is very similar and focus is such an important quality to develop for every person who is in business did you have any any specific um exercises or, or or maybe work you did with your coach that was only focused on improving your focus yeah uh there, so there were there were a number of um activities that we did so that was through to aiming and being able to concentrate but for 
archery, we needed to be able to focus in very short bursts. So you'd only be competing for like a maximum, if it, if it was on that, the maximum four minutes um, or two minutes or, or just 20 seconds. So you had to learn how to concentrate for that. Um, my coach would stand behind me whilst I was training and he'd be playing loud music, they'd be playing crowd noises, they'd be banging things in my ear. So it was just all about that focus. And um, another thing I really liked doing was uh, training with teammates. And we, we used to have great fun. Whilst it was obviously very serious, it was like this huge badge of honor if you managed to say a funny comment um, and managed to put the other person off. So it was just so good in terms of that distraction training. If they started laughing and having to come down, it was just like, yes, you know, uh, that, that was really cool. But um, it, it was just a great way to practice focusing on what you were doing and not being influenced by by external stimuli. And if we take this metaphor as a metaphor, um, shooting, archery, you mm -hmm. name it, what do you think right now business leaders are I'm missing out on is it is it the definition of uh, clear targets i mean in your sport you have the target at least you don't have to come up with it right this is the target i gotta shoot it um is it the plan of getting there is it uh, way too much destruction what do you feel is missing these days in the business world well, rather than missing, I think quite often there's too much added in. So, you know, I, I think um, I, I think people overcomplicate things, you know, and I, I think that if you really narrow it down and really understand, as I said, I go who, why, what, uh, where and how. So that, that's my five stage uh, goal model um, sort of process that I use. And I find that once you've got those all ticked off, you can understand the the actions that get to goal and, and you focus all your energy, your effort, your resources into getting there. And, and of course, you know, there are checks and balances as we go out so we can adapt the plan where we need to. But it's still always focused on that um, who, why, what. And I, I do find that a lot of the time that the plan is overcomplicated. And if we simplify it, bring it back to basics everybody knows what they're trying to do. Everybody knows what their part is, their role is, um, and what they need to be working on. It's much easier to get there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. The more I talk to business leaders and, and entrepreneurs who are building you know, amazing companies, the ones that are really at the top of their game are those who are best at saying no and they focus on these few things that they know they're really good at these are our priorities and they put their focus their attention on these few things and they're really good in delegating the rest of the stuff to, to you know people who are really good in those things yeah. um so, so i i really love what you're saying about maybe sometimes we make things too complicated when they when they aren't yeah. So, by the way, we have Elvis uh, who joined us and shared a couple of comments. Oh, uh, cool. <laughs> Hi, Elvis. 
he's um, he's also having a podcast, uh, the Startup Playground. So let's give him a shout out. Uh, he also said really beautiful story, and I definitely agree with him. What a beautiful story! Uh, we'll continue doing that, guys. Who are watching us? Make sure to to post a question, and and we'll uh, try to answer as many of those questions as we can. Danny, talk to me about resilience. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's very it's very. I mean, it's simple to be a leader when there's positive times, but what if things are not going well? Um, and something that I've always been curious about and really wanted to ask you is what do you prefer in a competition? Do you prefer to be the one that uh, that is leading and then there's people behind you and then you're more motivated to perform even better with your other rounds? Or is it easier for you when you have to chase somebody um, I it's a, it's, it depends on the situation, doesn't it? And and I don't necessarily think about changing somebody. I you know I, I think it's I guess about helping them get the most out of them. So you know we, we've all got strengths, we've all got weaknesses, and I think if we can all find that what our strengths are and and I think with success in particular a lot of people focus on the weakness and they try to reduce that weakness and go oh I'm rubbish at this I need to get better at this and they focus all their attention and I don't think that success is about the absence of weakness I I think it's absolutely fine to have that but I, I think what really makes people stand out is making their strengths stronger so I think if we all work on building those strengths up then you've got much more a much more dynamic, much more powerful team. So, so that's kind of I suppose more of the approach I like to take. So, would that be the same approach you would recommend uh, in business, uh, like to focus mm-hmm. more on our strengths rather than exposing our weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, I think in in terms of the self awareness side of things, it's important to know what what areas you are good at and what areas maybe um, you could do with a bit of support at. But rather than go right, I'm rubbish at this, so I need to spend all this time working on this. Actually, you can use other people to help you fill those gaps and, and plug those gaps in, so that together as a team, you know, you can you can sort of have a bigger impact. Right, right. We had a, an interesting comment from Yusuf uh, Slim. He's hearing that there is a fly on your forehead. Thank you, Yusuf, for a great uh, observation or comment. <laughs> love it, love it. Beautiful. We're keeping the mood high and so on. Let's let's look into uh, into. I mean, I know you're doing a lot of work these days with. Um, with uh, helping people to to be better, inspiring people to to be a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. What are, what are some of your own habits? Like personally, do you have like a morning routine? Do you have uh, some of your own little uh, rituals that you do on a daily basis to stay at the top of your game? Well, I've got a to do list, uh, and I yeah couldn't cope without my to do list and. I just think it's really helpful at the beginning of the day, the beginning um, and, and the beginning of the week to sort of look at those actions. So when, when you're thinking about that, that big goal, what are the actions to get you there? 
working through that action plan and it just feels so good when you manage to tick them off and I can assess sort of a really productive day if I've managed to tick off a certain number or a really really big project that I've been working on so I just find that really really helpful at every morning to check in with my goals check in where I am how I'm doing and what I'm going to work on that day okay okay uh, we have a question from Maria Gratsova. Uh, something we've been tapping a little bit on, but I think it's uh, it's more specific. So her question is, what are the main personality traits developed during your sports career which you brought to the business world? Um, so I'd say the main one had to be confidence. And that was something I invested a lot of time into. And I know we have spoken about that, that confidence, but I found that it, moving to a new arena, I didn't know the first thing about business when I set my mind up. I retired from sport uh, and it, you know, it wasn't my choice, unfortunately. I declassified out overnight. I was no longer an athlete. I had to get a job. I had to find a way to pay the mortgage. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, there, was, there was no plan. There, there was absolutely nothing there. And it was, uh, it was really, really tough. I didn't necessarily understand my passions at the minute. My values were all over the place because they were all sort of tied up in sport, as was my identity. So it was, it was just really, really tough. But being able to then start forging a career in in a new area that confidence was absolutely critical because I I didn't necessarily know much about the the technical skills uh, and the sort of um, the, the business specific stuff but I was able to go out there and meet people and and ask for help and say this is what I want to do how how do I do it and, and I certainly notice that when I am talking to people with, in business, I, I do a lot uh, as well in terms of the uh, disability world and a lot with, uh, with gender as well. And actually those confidence gaps uh, are really, really quite profound and they have a huge, huge impact on performance. And, and of course, I had doubts. I had a lot of negativity, but because I'd learned those techniques and strategies that Every time that that doubt popped into my head, I was able to combat it with a positive response and keep driving forward. So, so I would say that, I mean, I, I guess, you know, there, there was so many different traits and characteristics, but the confidence for me has just been so fundamental. Yeah, and you, you mentioned something else that's quite a, uh, something I would like to ex explore. You said you don't necessarily know your passions. Mm. So how did you how did you learn what your passions are? And if somebody's watching right now and and they aren't so clear about their passions, what would be some first tips for them to to start exploring? Yeah, that's a it's a really good question, and I think it's again it comes back to that self awareness. So getting to know you, and I'd spent such a long time. Like I honestly had the best job ever. I got to play with bows and arrows. <laughs> And that's what I did. Like every day I'd go and play with bows and arrows and I got to travel the world to do it. And it was just amazing. And it was what I loved. It was what I was passionate about. And I loved competing. You know, when I was under pressure, I got that adrenaline rush. It was just amazing. And having that taken away, it was it was devastating. And 
part of it was I didn't know who I was away from the bows and the arrows. You know, for so long I've been Danny Brown, the archer, that actually who was I away from the bows and arrows? I didn't know. So I actually spent a bit of time getting to know myself and trying lots of different things, meeting different people, talking, talking to people. And that really helped me uncover those passions. And what I what I quite enjoyed doing, and, and I'd already been doing this whilst I was training, was I was doing a bit of motivational speaking because it was quite fun. And I really loved that because I was out on that stage and I'm talking to big audiences. There's no hiding. You can't get it wrong. You've got to be perfect. You've got to deliver. And it was just like sport. You know, it was just like I was competing and I was getting not an adrenaline rush to the same extent, but, you know, quite quite a buzz out of it. So I, I sort of, I guess, transferred that bit across. And I, I was really passionate, I found, about helping people. You know, when, when you help people, I, I firstly, I, I suppose there was that, um, I can never say this word, reciprocity. Is that right? Reciprocity. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that struggles with it. That word, we all, anyway. We all get it. We all get it. <laughs> we know what it means. Yeah, we know what it means. So I guess that feeling where <laughs> so many people had helped me to achieve. Um, and, and, you know, I, I there's no way I would have stood on the podiums with any of my medals without a whole team of people behind me. Uh, and more than just, you know, the team of the coaches, the family, the friends and all that, it was just a wider team of just people helping me carry my equipment because I, I couldn't do that myself or bringing me hot drinks and it was freezing cold pouring down with rain. So for me, being able to put something back, you know, the feeling that I got from that, again, was just this huge buzz. So I tried lots of things. But one of my sponsors, uh, National Express, they're a coach company. They were brilliant. They let me get two days a week work experience in their office, which was really cool. I loved it, but I decided that working in an office wasn't for me. So it was just a great way. So for, for me, it was it was a long process. It was getting to know myself, trying new things, figuring out what gave me that that really sort of rewarding feeling that I love doing. And I'm like, yeah, I I sort of that's what I want to do, and that's why I want to do it. One thing I'm really curious to to explore is the. You know what? What do you? How do you prefer to work? And I'm gonna give you an example. I, I personally, I cannot do only one thing. I cannot be a speaker, and I'm just a speaker, or do one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, or I, I do a lot of work with teams these days. But, but I can only do that if I do something else as well. So, mm -hmm. so I need to be switching on different type of experiences, and and. It's the same sort of purpose. I want to help people. I want to help teams. I want to, you know, it's in the area of personal development, in the area of uh, consulting and coaching and so on. But I, but I need to be jumping on different projects and different things. How is it for you? Do you like one of those things more than the others? I know you do coaching. You're doing motivational speaking. Um, you're writing books and so on. Which is your favorite? And, and do you like to jump from one to the other? Yeah, absolutely like the variety, which is quite weird when you think about it, because before this, like literally all I would do is shoot bows and arrows and archery is one of the most re repetitive sports. Uh, you know, it's not like tennis where you can hit the ball over the net and make your opponent go running for it. Archery is literally trying to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. 
So yeah, it was um, in, in business. I'm I'm so different in that respect because I love different projects. I love being involved with organisations uh, and projects that that are very meaningful and have a positive impact. So for me, that's like a huge um, value base. It's a huge passion point. So being involved with those kind of projects. But yeah, I like I like dipping in. Do I have a favourite? depends I, I love speaking that's um you know that I just get such a buzz from that but equally you know it is quite nice to just tuck up with my laptop and and write and I find that so therapeutic so and it's, isn't it kind of interesting right like I, I also love speaking uh but it's so different like for a speech sometimes you you have 15 minutes or 20 minutes so the the level of preparation in order to perform at your best for speaking is it's just insane if you really be, want to be at the top you you, you got to practice sometimes so much more for a, a 15 minute speech as opposed to a full day training right yeah yeah uh, yeah especially if you have the training already it's all structured and you have your things there you know if even if you say a word or two that are not correct that's fine but if you're on the stage if you have 15 minutes to deliver a, a keynote it's a different it's a different story I know, I know. I like to practice in my car as well. And I think people must think I'm a complete lunatic if they ever look through my window because I'm there like full on speech mode practicing it. So what do you do? Do you play some music and then you, or, or just... Uh... Oh, I go for it. I just go for it. And I time it all in the car and I'm just, I, you know, just sort of whilst I'm driving. Yeah, it's so funny. Do you do something with your hands as well? Like... Oh, I drive well. No, I drive with my hands. So <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good now about it. Yeah. Cool, cool, Danny. Hi, I'm curious also to to know. Do you do you meditate? Do you have any any of those kind of things that you you do? Yeah, so I do meditate. I find meditation not just useful in terms of um, or just a bit of self reflection, but I find it particularly useful for pain management as well. So I, I use it in, um, in both forms. I, I quite find it very helpful at the end of the day. I do have a very overactive brain. Um, so, you know, I'm always bouncing ideas around. And um, yeah, so I do find it helps me wind down a little bit um, and, and just relaxes me. And, and, and I suppose also allows me to put my thoughts into perspective as well. I, I think... Uh, uh, again when we've been talking about that self-awareness and sometimes those thoughts kind of taking a life of their own sometimes it just helps to step back and just gain a bit of clarity and perspective on them what type of meditation so i i do a bit of a mindful meditation where i try not to uh not to think of anything um and i find that I, I do find that very very hard because as i said my brain's always uh pinging things around so that takes a lot of practice and i just do other um sort of meditations where i've created my own script and i go through the breathing but i also think about what i've been what i've done in the day and what i'm proud of what went well um and and just sort of i suppose think about those thoughts in a really non-judgmental way, because I think that's important. Sometimes we can be very critical with ourselves. So yeah, I, that's kind of how, how I've developed it um, to work for me. 
That's really interesting, and it, the, the way you say it, it sounds so so easy. <laughs> but but I but I think I think it's easy. People sometimes get really scared. Those people who are not meditating, they think this is something woo woo crazy, uh, you know, thing that you need to learn how to do it. And the truth is, everybody can meditate. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's different levels, and you can get better at it as everything else. But it's just like going to the gym; you can get better. But it's kind of like your mental fitness. Yeah, and and I think what I was doing wrong for many years, meditating is I was trying to get an outcome because mm-hmm. just like you, I'm very competitive. I'm very high achiever type, and I would always aim for. I need to have no thoughts, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. and and the truth is, when you let go and and you allow yourself to be human and say, "Hey, I'm probably going to have a lot of thoughts and emotions." It's not about that. It's about learning to observe them mm. without judging them, which is, I would say, it's quite difficult sometimes. Yeah, but, but yeah. creating this this relationship with your thoughts, where you can see from a distance, say, mm, interesting, and then you just pass it on. And there's different type of meditations, obviously. Um, sometimes you focus on your breathing, or uh, I personally love vipassana, which is uh, a lot about sensations. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you you dis- discover and observe these sensations in your body, uh, and uh, and then you return to your equanimity, which which is beautiful. And and the more you do it the more you realize how your focus improves as well. Mm. Which is probably with any kind of meditation. But yeah. and, you, and you're not worrying as much. That's the other thing. You, you don't have this negative chattering. Um, there's so much science behind it as well. Those of you who are curious and interested, you can go online and just search the positive effects meditation has on um, you know, mental health, on stress management on your ability to focus there's so many benefits uh sometimes could be boring the process i i gotta admit but but just the benefits are so so much so yeah everybody watching you should go meditate (laughs) and i think it's like so um i i don't do the i've really personally really struggled with the sensory stuff but i think that's because when I start focusing on that because I'm in so much pain, it kind of takes over. But I actually found as well, um, I like playing around with this kind of stuff. I like to do a lot of visualization and I sort of kind of marry up the, the meditative breathing with that visualization. And I find that works quite nicely as well. Do you visualize? So it, well, so many different forms of visualization. Um, it can you can be visualizing your success. So if that's um, like when I was competing, that was going out there and winning. You might want to visualize like the, the technical bits. So you know what exactly goes into a shot. I quite like to do things like in London 2012. I won that medal thousands of times before I won it for real. No. And I, yeah, 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 in my head, I just won it. And, and I, I won it like I completely dominated my opposition. I, uh, my bow exploded. I picked up my spare one and off I went. And, and actually, it was, it was really, really cool because the year, the year after, I was at a selection trials for the Able Bodied World Championships. And my bow actually like exploded. And luckily, I, I didn't lose the arrow. 
so the arrow didn't didn't shoot I picked up my spare bow and it went straight in the middle and everyone was like how did you do that and it's like well you know I've, I've done it before no, never for real but you know I've done it before in my head so many times that actually when it, it came to to real it, it wasn't an issue this is amazing like how did you learn to to do this this is impressive that when you create this as a habit and you start creating your reality before it's there you program your mind into a frequency that you know your mind start believing it's already there it's just it hasn't happened but it's but it's but it's uh, existing yeah yeah and and there's so much research into this as well about how this works and how you know your your neural pathways fire off it's it really is um amazing and it just it completely accelerates that learning process particularly if you're visualizing like the the nitty-gritty and the actual like technical elements so and, and also i think it's quite good in terms of fears as well and getting out of your comfort zone so I, I know a lot of people that that i've worked with i know we've been talking about public speaking but they find it really quite terrifying to get on a stage in front of people or even do a presentation in a small group and if you've visualized it, if you've run through it in your head, if you've um, imagined yourself doing it and you've imagined yourself doing it confidently and focused on your body and how how you want that to be, when you actually come to do it for real, you, you've already done it. So it, it becomes a bit easier. Would you, would you recommend this to, you know, there's many business professionals watching right now. Would you recommend people visualization as a tool to produce better business results? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did forget to say that that's another thing I transferred over. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, Visualization is a really cool tool. Uh, whether that's um, you visualizing a meeting, um, whether, it, you know, with an important client or whatever, I think it's important um, whether you, you're looking at your goals and what it feels like, what it looks like and really consolidating that in your mind that when, once you've achieved it, that's what it that's what it's going to be so um and, and also if you're finding something particularly tricky or difficult visualizing before you actually go out there and do it is is really helpful yeah i definitely agree i wouldn't say i'm uh, doing it every day uh but every time i do i gotta say every morning i do this my day is a little bit different mm. you know i'm a little bit more calm i'm a little bit more focused uh somehow I don't know if you if you make it a habit, you you start attracting things because you you program your mind to to focus on the right things. Yeah, and you accept that they're already there, so it's um, it's definitely a great tool. Danny, uh, we are getting close to to the end of this session, which I don't want to, but we have to. Um, I'm just curious to hear what is where is the you know what is the mission of of Danny Brown? Where, where is Danny? uh going towards in in the next say three four years from now what is what is the bonus dream who do you want to impact and why <laughs> yeah that's a really good question um yeah you know i spent the first three months of the year writing a strategy and the next three months uh changing the strategy because uh yeah covid so <laughs> no it's all good fun all good fun love uh, love adapting the plan um, I'd like to do more in terms of uh, speaking, so getting story across, not just talking about myself, but actually really helping and impacting people. And uh, as I said, I'm, I'm very particularly 
interested and, and passionate uh, about diversity and inclusion, so particularly about disability. I uh, find that absolutely fascinating and, you know, really, really focusing on the ability aspect of that. And again, gender. Um, so, you know, for, for me, I think that there, there are so many barriers out there and I, you know, being able to tackle those at a high level, but equally because barriers exist, we change our behavior in light of that. So how can we, how can we tackle it at a high level, but equally how can we change those behaviors and those beliefs within ourselves so that we don't start acting in accordance with those barriers? And, and to do that, I'm really, really passionate about working with young people. So um, I, I do a lot with, with young girls, with, with young people really trying to get them to change the, the stereotypes about girls uh, because they can be quite damaging, particularly when they start thinking about career choices. And it has such a lasting impact. And if we can work with young people, work with children, change those beliefs, and get them to really believe in themselves, believe in their ability, and that you know everybody has that capacity to achieve great things. It's just tapping into your, yourself, your resources, understanding what you want from life, and what happiness and what success looks like for you. I think we'd all be in a, a in a better better position. So, yeah, it's important to tackle at the high level, but I think sort of that grassroots side as well is an equally important bit of work. And I'm just super passionate about that bit. And if, and if there is a, a young girl watching right now, what would be your message to her? I think you've worked with uh, already with uh, many young women. You yourself has been growing and having some certain things and beliefs and stories you needed to to replace with more mm -hmm. constructive ones. What would be you know a few a few thoughts you would like to share with with some young woman watching us right now? Oh, so many, so many. But I, I, I suppose it all boils down to that, you know, everybody is capable of greatness. And it's about understanding you and it's understanding what happiness and what success means to you. And it's it's understanding that away from other people. So away from expectations of, of whether that's family members, whether that's uh, schools, whether that's um, the wider society, it's really looking at you, your passions, your values. And once you figure that, you've kind of got your compass that you can set your, your direction and, and which way to go. And I think that's obviously quite hard to do alone, particularly when you are young, because uh, at that age, you know, you you are very much guided and shaped by by lots of people around you but trying to build those people around you and, and not being afraid to put your voice across, I think is so important. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Brown here, Danny Brown in the house. And uh, if you're looking for an inspirational speaker to come and speak about the diversity, inclusion, um, I guess mental toughness, uh, so many topics she can cover. We were actually just about to bring her to Bulgaria right before Corona hit. Uh, she was booked uh, to be a keynote speaker at, uh, at a conference in Bulgaria. Unfortunately, we had to postpone it, but uh, she's she's not going anywhere. She's coming to Bulgaria, that's for sure. But uh, make sure to go check her out. Uh, Danny, where can people find you, learn more about what you do, and you know, follow your story, follow your inspiring content? 
Sure. So website is daniellebrown.co.uk and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all the all the usual suspects, LinkedIn. So Danielle Brown MBE. Beautiful, beautiful. So uh, if you guys want to follow her, I'm sure you'll be inspired by the content and the different things there. So make sure to do it. And Danny, uh, since we're at the end of this show, by the way, everybody who's been uh, following, listening, one thing that I want to inspire you to do is uh, please write a comment and write us what was one thing from this conversation? What was one story? What was one thing that really clicked for you? And that you will take action on. So, what is the one thing? Just post this in the comments. I'll be the first. But then, but then the second thing is, um, Danny, what would be your final message to people watching us? You know, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, time in 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 a global perspective right now. A lot of people are struggling. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are dealing with, you know, being laid off, and uh, their businesses are declining, and people are having issues with health and so on. So there's a lot of struggle, a lot of uncertainty. What would be your message to to people? How should they go through these um, diverse times? Yeah, so whenever I'm struggling, I, I kind of have a motto that I always say, uh, and that is, you know, we've always got a choice. Even in adversity, we've got a choice. You either give up or you get up. And I think if you, and, and you know, again, this is me just simplifying everything. I, I like nice and simple. I think by giving myself two choices, give up or get up, it really, really helps. And for me, giving up is never an option. It's always about that get up. So I've I've narrowed my choices down to one, right? I get up. How do I get up? What do I need to do to get up? And and then sort of look at those actions that you can take, the people that you can bring around you, the people in your network. It's about not being afraid to reach out. Uh, and, you know, I'm terrible for this or, or rather good at it. Depends which way you look at it. If I'm struggling or I've got an idea and I just want to run it by somebody, I, I reach out, whether that's LinkedIn or email. I'm just like, hey, I've got this idea. Can we uh, can we have a chat, please? And people are just so great. And bounce ideas around and really really help so yeah i i just like to narrow it down to that give up or get up thank you guys for listening and if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performance and boost your productivity make sure to check out stoyanyanko.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner stay safe and keep moving forward